Happy Wednesday. Welcome back to K9360 on KZUM. Here we are, y'all. It's the end of August. Turning the corner into September, and that means it's our 15th anniversary. 15 years of K9360 here on your community radio station. We started out on Monday mornings and then we moved to Monday afternoons and here we've been in this Wednesday slot for a little while and it's been good and we have liked it and I hope you have too. So we might just spend all of September celebrating 15 years on the air and we'll be celebrating KZUM as well. So there'll be some opportunities for you to... uh, Demonstrate your love coming up and demonstrate your appreciation um, by sharing the wealth, right? As we like to do here and sometimes we just need to do. So uh, be paying attention for alerts as they come along. All right, let's get right to it. It's back to school time, busy time of year, families in and out, coming and going, uh, chaos at the door and I thought it might be worthwhile based on an email I got earlier this week to share some thoughts about safety and the role of management in keeping dogs and puppies safe. If you have done anything with me, you've probably seen an email that I like to send out to dog owners that underscores how everyone who lives with a dog, and that's myself included, kind of keeps three plates spinning all the time. One is leadership, one is management, and the other is training, and they're different. Management refers to all the physical apparatus that allows us to confine, restrain, or contain dogs so that they're neither a danger to themselves, to the household, or to the community. So management tools include things like leashes and collars, backyard fences, crates, baby gates, exercise pens, and so on. Leadership just refers to each individual dog owner's affect, your philosophy and beliefs about dogs, their role in the human family, your perspective on how dogs learn, prior experience with dogs, age, genetic temperament, education level, and learning style are all part of your leadership quotient, we might say. All these pieces taken together help the dog understand you as leader. And uh, leadership is actually something you can learn, right? Training is nothing more and nothing less than putting certain of the dog's behaviors on verbal or nonverbal cue. So teaching sit is a training exercise. All of us are integrating to some degree or another and all of the time these three dimensions of life with dogs and we're doing so whether we realize it or not. I tell owners in puppy kindergarten that life with young puppies is initially around 98% management and 2% leadership but if they stick with formal training formal in the sense of exercises that have form and require physical and mental discipline If they stick with that for the first 12 to 18 months of the puppy's life, they can shift the ratio and put their emphasis on training and leadership and reduce the need for management to 2%, right? So you can go from 2% leadership and 98% management to uh, 
flipping that over. Sorry, something popped up on the screen here and I got a little confused. I got distracted, right? Just like our dogs. Okay, so a a three-month-old puppy doesn't jump on people when they're managed or restricted from doing so. Ideally, a 13-month-old puppy doesn't jump on people because he's been taught not to. If the 13-month-old puppy is still jumping up, it's either a leadership issue or a training issue or some combination. And of course, we know that if the leadership part isn't there, the training techniques won't work and the training itself won't stick. Or you can just continue to manage or restrict the dog till it's 13 years old, but that's neither training nor leadership. So what I want to talk about today is this management thing, because a lot of the problems I see and hear about in my training practice could have been prevented altogether by a careful management system, and that need for management never goes away. Don't get rid of your crates after the puppy is housebroken. Keep them around. We're going to need them. You know, part of the fun for me, truthfully, when I visit other trainers or dog professionals is to see what their management system is, is, what's their setup. Uh, Years ago, I visited a very well-respected trainer in Colorado by the name of Helen Phillips. And I had to be in her house for a while before I realized that her decor, her from the colors of the carpet to the walls to the, you know, accessories around the house, were all done in black and white, same as her black and white border collies. And she had, I don't know, at that point, four or five of them. She has a beautiful house in the foothills, uh, north, southeast of Boulder, southwest of Boulder, I think, Colorado. And the entire west side of her house is all glass and it faces the Flatirons, if you know that part of the world. That part of the house is the white half of the house. And everything, the carpet, the couches, the lamps, the curtains are white. That part of the house is completely separated from the other part of the house by these beautiful series of French doors with this incredible glass panes and as gorgeous. The other half of the house is a little bit more practical, right? There was a black... Um, slate floor, I think, and black furniture. Uh, The walls are white, but it's a lot easier to have dogs who are inclined to track things in and out. One of the most amazing architectural features that she pointed out to me was um, her bedroom was lofted over the family room and there was a, a cornice corner that has shelf in it. It's hard to describe, uh, but I'll do my best. And there was some pottery on the top of that shelf and it was easily 12 feet, 15 feet off the floor of the family room. So in this vaulted space. And I was looking at the pottery and she said, I suppose you're wondering what that is. And I actually was wondering who got up there and dusted this black pottery because dog hair gets, and you know, it's everywhere. The shelf that the pottery was on was actually a tunnel. It was her architect's idea. It connected her bedroom to a second floor deck. And so when the dogs all went upstairs with her at night and she had a baby gate across the top of the stairs or else they board their border collies, they're busy. They run all over the place. If they needed to go out, they could go through a dog door and through this eight foot tunnel 
and out another dog door flap onto the deck, down the stairs, and into a fenced-off kennel area that was paved with smooth river rock. So if they needed to go out, go to the bathroom, whatever, they could let themselves out. And there was no, it had been set up by the architect to prevent any cold air from coming and going. And then there was turf inside that, inside that tunnel that prevented the dogs from bringing as much stuff in as they might have otherwise. It was ingenious. Um, Some other friends... Dick and Kay Gitzloff. I went to their house in Prescott, Arizona. Six border collies. Their house was right where the desert starts to give way to the beginning of the mountains uh, as you go from Phoenix to Flagstaff. It was a soft peach terracotta kind of adobe with verdigris accents. So the turquoise uh, metal, right? Beautiful. I'd been there two days before I actually actually realized that the decorative, decorative verdigris gates, which were all built into the interior, in and around the kitchen and family room, were actually a management system to be able to restrict part of the house and have dogs in one place without having them in another. It was amazing. So what can you use in your house to safely manage your dog? Gates, crates, or exercise pens. I mean, a really nice workable alternative to crating and a terrific management option for a puppy is an exercise pen. Um, I send folks a a nice YouTube video that's an overview with some really good advice. For example, do not ever, ever, ever let the puppy climb out of the exercise pen ever or you won't be able to fix that. Um, I have a puppy right now. And as I am here sharing these insights with you, she is in an exercise pen in my kitchen. Safe and managed away from the other dogs. I have several exercise pens. I cannot imagine life with a dog and not having one available. As I said, it's where that current puppy spends her time. If I have to be out of the house for a few hours, I've used exercise pens. If I have a dog at home recovering from surgery who needs to be separated from the other dogs uh, or a geriatric dog who needs a space of their own um, so they don't get bumped into or knocked over or whatever. But let me give you three recent examples that illustrate why management is such a critical tool for trainers, especially if your dog is a young puppy, an adolescent puppy, or simply new to your household. As you know, if you've taken my puppy kindergarten class, I'm quite bearish about the careful management of puppies. A management system in the form of a baby gate across the kitchen or mudroom door, an exercise pen, or whatever works best in your household goes a long way to preventing the ingesting of foreign objects. For example, any new puppy added to my household lives in the kitchen behind a baby gate. The puppy is in the kitchen all the time, and we come and go from the kitchen. That way, I only have to puppy-proof one room. I can include crate training as part of management, and housebreaking goes much easier because the puppy has less space to manage psychologically and the back door is just right there. And I could begin to teach aloneness, which is an essential skill that all my dogs must learn and have proficiency with before they are six months old. It also actively prevents the behaviors that are termed separation anxiety. Owners who are squeamish about restriction or confinement often find themselves in very sad, expensive, or difficult circumstances. Here's a description sent to me through email 
of a 12-week-old puppy who did not survive to complete puppy kindergarten. And I could tell you many more stories about like this, just like this, most of them involving rocks, sticks, or mulch. Here's the email I got. I'm very excited to be back for week two of puppy kindergarten, but we've had an emergency over the weekend. Frodo, the puppy, swallowed the baby's pacifier and is working on trying to pass it. He stopped eating and drinking on Saturday. He stayed at the animal hospital on fluids from 7 p.m. on Saturday until 2 p.m. on Sunday. They sent him home, but he still hasn't eaten anything and he he won't drink anything either. He is on some anti-nausea medication for a few more days. If we have a toy out, he wants to play and he will play a little bit of fetch, but mostly he is just resting because he doesn't feel well. Frodo did not survive that experience. There are costs associated with training. Yep, that's true. But there are also costs associated with not training and or misunderstanding the puppy's need to live in an environment where he is safe from himself. Often it is the puppy who pays the ultimate price. I once had a family, five children, who presented their Greater Swiss Mountain Dog puppy to a, uh, at a puppy kindergarten class I was teaching. I could tell by the way mom was watching the kids who were adoring and very um, solicitous of the puppy, as kids will do. And I took her aside at the end of class and I said, this is not a project for the middle schoolers. This will be a big, strong, powerful dog with all the attitude that will be part of his genetic heritage. You need to be in charge as the mom of the puppy's training. The kids can help you, but this is not something that we want them, they're not ready to be in complete charge of. Mom did not follow that advice. I think it was not correspondent with her desire to make her children happy. And she enjoyed seeing how happy they were in their interaction with the puppy. And of course, the puppy at nine weeks old was following the kids around. But by age 12 weeks, not so much. She called me uh, two weeks into the puppy class to tell me that the kids had taken the puppy outside in the front yard off leash. And he saw across the street, he saw a neighbor that he had met previously And he darted across the street and was hit by a car that crushed his skull in front of the children. Mom wanted to know if I thought this would do permanent psychological damage to the children. And while I was trying to be thoughtful and sympathetic, I will confess that I was thinking to myself, what do you care? Because if you were worried about the possibility of such a thing harming your children, you would have followed professional advice in the first place. But she didn't. And this was the outcome. I'm going to tell you one more story. And this is an email I received just last week. 
on the puppy's three-month-old birthday, my daughter and I were out walking. My daughter and I were walking out the front door to the pickup parked on the street with our hands full. Bailey, the puppy, ran out between our feet and Jennifer was going to grab him. The cat ran out and she grabbed the cat first. At the same time, Bailey, the puppy, saw a person walking across the street and ran straight toward him. A pickup did not see. The puppy dart from behind our parked car and the moving car hit the puppy. Three months old. That's about the age. The owner said, we took him to the emergency veterinarian x-rays, showed multiple breaks in both sides of the pelvis. At first, I thought to select the option to call K-State, but realized when the veterinary said, if they can fix this pelvis, it was bad and he could be in pain for his entire life. We took his pain away. I saw his face change to joy when he saw us and we stayed strong and cheerful for him. He was amazing and found strength to lick my youngest daughter's face. He then put his face in Jennifer's hands and he went to rest. This owner continues, my my apologies for not emailing you sooner, but it was a long week. We didn't sleep well and I had two girls struggling to eat. Bailey was therapeutic for the three of us after a difficult divorce and he brought laughter and love back to our home. He helped me find some joy in the blessings I'd overlooked in the past, like the giggles from my girls and sitting in the sun with him. He was like their little brother and always with us. The worst part is how responsible I feel and I've let him down. Like my girls, his well-being was my responsibility. I miss him every day. We're going to be fine. This week is better. And we plan to get another puppy. And when we do, I hope you will let us join your class again. These are difficult lessons. Really difficult. They're difficult stories to hear. They're difficult stories for me to share with you. But I think they really underscore the importance of careful management. You would laugh if you came to my house right now. If you walk in my front door, there is a baby gate across the foyer that prevents access to the front door. There's another baby gate across the kitchen door that prevents access to the foyer. (laughs) And inside the kitchen, there is an exercise pen. And so the puppy who is impulsive, who doesn't yet know the rules... And his life, I am not willing to gamble, has three barriers to overcome to gain access to the front door. She comes and goes from the back door, not a problem. She's learning door manners, but I'm not rolling the dice. I I don't want my heart broken, right? Sometimes I think our impulses are the result of a culture clash that we sometimes have one foot in our rural agricultural heritage being out here in one of the big square states in the middle. You know, the dog we had when I was a kid on the farm or dogs need room to run or other perspectives like that. But we also have one foot in our increasingly urban reality where as Americans, we are living in closer and closer proximity to each other all the time. And that changes the rules a lot. You know, occasionally I will be contacted by someone who lives outside the city limits 
because they've got a dog that's causing some kind of problem. And in some cases, owners like what the dog is doing, but other people have complained or it's costing them money and damage control. Other times they're reluctant to fence in or manage the dog because they think their dog should feel free, whatever that means, or the dog needs room to run, or they're afraid if they do, the dog won't like them. Still others have no concept of real training and in order to control the dog, they believe they have to beat the crap out of him or reach immediately for the electronic collar. Consequently, I've come to think of the farm dog as a particular kind of way of thinking, right? Um, And it's present not just in rural families, but in city dwellers too. If the rural family acquires the dog, the thinking goes, the dog is relegated to outdoors only. There, the dog either learns how to get along and survive, or he doesn't. Either he learns to avoid the traffic, refrains from harassing livestock, leaves the chickens alone, doesn't bite the kids or their friends, stays away from the rodent poison in the barn, doesn't impale himself on heavy equipment or get run over by the combine, doesn't wander off the property without knowing how to get home, doesn't chase cars, doesn't menace some of the visitors or make a general nuisance of himself, or else he's dead. Once in a while, he's given away, but he's usually dead to be replaced by another dog who will either be smart or lucky enough to figure it all out on his own, or he won't. So then he's dead, and then the family gets another dog, and so on. If one of those dogs does succeed, like the wolf boy in the woods who learns to survive by his wits since there's no one there to actually teach him, the dog may go on to live a reasonably long and happy life as a farm dog, and the legacy will be that farmer's children now all grown up and living in the big city who bring their new doodle or designer dog to my puppy class and say, we don't understand it. The dog we had when I was a kid never needed any training. He just knew how to live with us and he knew how to be our buddy. Domestication is a thing, y'all. And in this little farm dog logic, domestication is ignored for all practical purposes or it's entirely taken for granted. The responsibilities that go with domestication are afforded to the cattle, the sheep, the horses, even the chickens. Get a coop, keep them out of harm's way. They're kept safe, but the dog lives in this liminal space, neither truly owned nor truly feral, and certainly not at all wild. Right? I grew up in a kind of semi-rural part of South Dakota, This mindset is not unfamiliar to me and it's how we used to live with dogs before the United States became a predominantly urban society. Now the laws that govern dog ownership stipulate a different level of responsibility. The city dogs, and they're all city dogs now, need thoughtful management and careful training to be able to live with us as we live with each other in harmony and respectful of each other's rights and property. I don't want to be the person who runs over my neighbor's dog. I bet you don't either, right? So let's keep them safe, right? Balance out that management, leadership, and training thing. And uh, keep those crates and baby gates handy. If you're clever, we need a Facebook page that says how to decorate with dogs. Maybe that's already out there. I'll have to go look. 
if I can find it, I will uh, bring back some more insights for you. I do think that um, when I win the lottery, I'm going to get those beautiful, big, mission-style dog crates that they sell in several of the catalogs, Wayfair, Orvis, or or whatever. The crates are gorgeous, about $500 a piece, but they can serve as an end table, right? You can have them right there in your living room, and uh, oh, they're amazing, right? All that stands between us and everything we want. It's just, just a couple bucks, just a couple of bucks. <laughs> okay, you guys, we're just about to the end of our time together here. Uh, thanks, as always, for your listening ear, for hanging out with us on KZUM. Um, it's been an amazing summer of events and activities and being outside and hanging out with each other, a little bit of live music in uh, some fun spaces where our dogs are not only permitted, but welcomed. And I've been encouraged to attend some of the, like the Stransky concerts and see some really well-behaved, really nice, pleasant dogs who are just out there palling around and can take advantage of those community gatherings, those neighborhood excursions and not be obnoxious or annoying or make a pest of themselves. The dogs we all aspire to, the dogs we all want to live with and enjoy. And what we try to do here on K9360 is bring some of those strategies to our conversation with you. How do we get those dogs? How much fun are they? How appreciative are we of having them? And uh, the landscape is just prettier with dogs on it, in it, right? Um, All right, I better slide on out of here. The celebration is coming up. Don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Stay right here with us on KZUM and KZUM HD, the coolest radio station in the world. And we'll see you back here next week. Be safe, be well, keep those dogs and puppies safe and well too. Love you guys. Take care.